Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another exciting episode of Thor Podcast. Today, we have Mike Novogratz investing $80 million in a Bitcoin mining firm. Gwyneth Paltrow offering Bitcoin advice. We got blockchain.com giving away free Stellar. And then finally, in the main topic, we're discussing the future of money. That's right. Is cryptocurrency really going to be the future of digital money? I think it is. Through a podcast starting now. Welcome to Thriller with Car Gonzalez, broadcasting from Austin, Texas, via SoundCloud and supported by listeners like you. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another exciting episode of Thriller Podcast. Today is November 6, 2018. Let's jump into the news. So Bitcoin mining firm raises $80 million, and that's backed by Mike Novogratz. Uh-huh. So earlier today, Bitcoin mining firm Bitfury announced that they have raised over $80 million in their funding round, and the funding was led by Corlea Capital, a venture capital firm backed by Neighbor Group. And there's quite a few other private investors of course, Mike Novogratz, CEO of Galaxy Digital, is on there as well, too. And his comments were centered around being excited to partner with Bitfury. He believes they are a leading solutions provider in the blockchain and Bitcoin space. And he is impressed with Bitfury's unparalleled team, as well as the company's vision, technical expertise and global reach, all of which are essential to advancing the underlying Bitcoin ecosystem. Moreover, the cryptocurrency mining company had planned on going public to become Europe's first major cryptocurrency initial public offering. This news erupted in the market post Bitmain's announcement that they were going public. The report also stated that Bitfury was planning on an IPO with a valuation ranging between $3 billion to $5 billion. Wowzers. Next up, we have Gwyneth Paltrow. That's right. The American actress Gwyneth Paltrow is in the latest in the line of celebrities promoting Bitcoin. She tweeted out today that Q&A with Bill Barnhart, CEO of cryptocurrency exchange Abra, from her site called Goop. Her site has supposedly evolved from a lifestyle newsletter into a lifestyle brand in the past 10 years of existence, but this Q&A is the first time cryptocurrencies are mentioned there. The Q&A delves into the basic questions of what Bitcoin is, how you can get some, and what gives it value. The CEO of Abra also answered some questions around other cryptocurrencies and blockchain itself for a short, simplistic overview of the topic. This is great news. I love seeing regular people, no coiners, get involved in cryptocurrency and no other person to do it than Gwyneth Paltrow. So thank you. So this next piece of news is very near and dear to my heart. And unfortunately, it's kind of one of those things that um, I hope never happens to us. But it seems to have happened to Anthony Pompliono. He is the podcaster of Off the Chain. And it is a popular crypto enthusiast and investor podcast. You know, he discusses mainly important cryptocurrency related topics. And it is distributed among many different platforms among the United States and worldwide. Of course, he uses iTunes. Well, Apple has reportedly removed his cryptocurrency podcast. And Pompliano got onto Twitter and explained. He said, last week, we released a podcast discussing the ultimate argument for Bitcoin. It exploded and ranked number four in U.S. investing category before mysteriously being taken down by Apple. We had no warning. We don't know why they took down our podcast, but they can't take down Bitcoin. 
And unfortunately, most people don't realize this, but Apple controls the vast segment of podcasts. And me personally, uh, you know, just a quick story, but um, I want to say maybe about a year ago, I had actually applied at Apple <laughs> to work at their campus here in Austin. And I never brought this up during the show because I didn't want to, you know, um, start anything. But now I kind of feel like I have to say something because um, at the time when I went into the interview, it's one of the most weirdest interviews <laughs> you'll ever get working for a tech company. Um, but this one was really weird. Uh, one of the very first few questions they asked me was about my podcast, this podcast, Thriller Podcast. And at the time, I answered it as best I could. I told them it was about blockchain. Um, but after I did that, they basically just told me I'm going to have to reach out to my recruiter and talk to them about having a podcast and if that's if that's a non-hireable offense. And when they told me that, they continued with the interview. But after they told me that, I kind of thought, well, why do I want to work here if I can't share my own opinion? And I'm not saying this is not surprising to me because it is. I, I didn't think they would ever do this to a big cryptocurrency podcast like Anthony's. But at the same time, it sucks because this type of, you know, conglomerate, you know, beholden to their platform, it's just it's just not right. Right. And um, I hope I hope very soon that there could be a decentralized solution to podcasting. It, I think personally, I think Apple attacking a cryptocurrency podcast is not the way to go. Um, we know that we have seen other crackdowns in the past from Google and Facebook from ads, but I think this takes it to an extreme. And I really hope Anthony is able to get his podcast back on. I just checked here uh, just a while ago and it's still off of iTunes and podcasts. But nonetheless, he does have his podcast everywhere. So if you Google it, you'll be able to find it. And I would also like to mention, um, he has said that if you were subscribed to that podcast, you would still see it in your feed. You just wouldn't be able to find it within the store, the podcast store for Apple. And that, so that's, that's just, it's just really bad news. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, it sucks because I, I know having a podcast, it, it, you work so hard to put the amount of work into it, especially trying to grow it over time. And he's been doing it a lot longer than we have and um, have much respect for him. So it's very sad that Apple had just took it down just because they can. And um, that's definitely not right. So, yeah, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. I mean, you know, they, you never know. They could be cracking down on all cryptocurrency podcasts. And um, if they do, uh, it's going to be hard to find us. So make sure you hit the subscribe button. And I highly recommend you check out Anthony's podcast. It's called off the chain. Just run a Google search. He's very knowledgeable when it comes to investing in cryptocurrency. And finally, our last piece of news for the day, blockchain.com wallet adds Stellar and announces $125 million XLM airdrop to drive adoption. So blockchain.com is launching full support for Stellar. That's right. It's alongside a massive token airdrop of $125 million. And the cryptocurrency wallet provider blockchain.com has said that they are going to start doing this more. Uh, it provides a better way to drive adoption. Uh, just recently, the CEO of blockchain.com went on the show Unchained. It's a podcast that you should definitely check out. Um, he talks about, I want to say maybe about the 40-minute mark, and he talks about how he's reaching out to a lot of cryptocurrencies out there, and he's trying to get uh, uh, adoption for cryptocurrency just in general. And by doing this, uh, airdrops through their wallet, 
He thinks this is going to drive adoption, very similar to what PayPal did in the early 90s. They gave away $25 to every new user. And then basically it, it drove adoption until finally people just started using PayPal. And that's kind of how that worked. Uh, Elon Musk has talked about it in the past. Peter Thiel has talked about, talked about it in the past as well. Looks like they're taking the same approach. And the firm underscores that the benefit of crypto airdrops for consumers are that they're able to test, trade, and transact with unfamiliar crypto assets other than Bitcoin. And of course, Stellar announced it as well on their Twitter. And it seemed like they were excited. And Jed had said a couple of things. It seemed like he was excited. A lot of people were tweeting at me and asking me what I thought about it. And personally, you know, I think it's overall a good thing. I think uh, providing cryptocurrency um, through an airdrop that's uh, done this way is good. The only thing I don't like is that they 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 asked for KYC, but I think that's kind of where everything is going these days, unless you got your XLM way before. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think it's a good idea. I, I think it's it's the it's one of those currencies XLM that um, a lot of people don't really know about. I know we talk about it on the podcast, and a lot of you know about it um, very well. And um, but the vast majority of people that you run into in cryptocurrency don't know about XLM. Or they think it's a ripoff of Ripple, <laughs> believe it or not, which is just beyond craziness. But, you know, it's one of those things where I think for XLM to grow and continue continuously become this uh, digital cryptocurrency, um, I think it's going to require something like this, right? Um, it's a free $25 of XLM right now. It's currently trading at $0.26. Cents. So, you know, who knows where that $25 is going to be at? Maybe, maybe it'll be close to a dollar by then. Who knows, but they're going to release it. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, you can sign up. Um, I signed up, of course, because, hey, it's free XLM, and I'm bullish on Stellar long term. So, yeah, good news all around. I don't I don't think it's a bad thing. A lot of people are saying, oh, it's a bad thing. You know, it's it could be considered security. We all know that's BS, right? <laughs> New York has given uh, Stellar the go ahead as a cryptocurrency to invest in. And that's over there in New York where they're, they're run by regulators. Right. So if they got the step of approval there, I'm sure they'll get it everywhere else. So I think blockchain.com is understanding that and they're taking their time. They don't want to, you know, airdrop security tokens because you never know what could happen and how that complies with the SEC and all that. huddle you know, triage of things. But um, yeah, pretty cool stuff. I think overall, it's a good idea. With that, let's get into our interesting video of the day. Thriller podcast. Interesting crypto video of the day. Ladies and gentlemen, people were asking, hey, Carr, are you going to do a show on Bitcoin Cash and about the fork and how many different cryptocurrencies is it going to turn into and all this stuff? And, you know, I really want to. I really want to. It's just one of those things that i um, really not looking forward to researching. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, uh, especially when it's uh, one of those where I know I'm not going to provide a very good show. So my kind of approach has been trying to find somebody that will come on the show and talk about it. So right now, I'm currently in the process of getting somebody on the show to do this. Uh, if you guys have any ideas, uh, shoot, shoot me a Telegram message or shoot, shoot that person a Twitter and tell them to come on through their podcast. Uh, I actually tried getting um, Dr. Craig Wright on the show, um, but he's turned us down multiple times. <laughs> and, you know, I think he thinks we're going to troll him or something, but, you know, we're totally not going to do that. We're totally going to give him the benefit of the doubt of everything. I mean, if you've, if you've listened to any interviews that I do, I'm 
pretty professional. I'm way more professional than I am during these moments. <laughs> so yeah, we'll, we'll definitely try to get somebody on. Um, that's very knowledgeable what's what's going on with the fork. I, I mean, for the most part, it's just going to be three different Bitcoin caches. Um, as far as I know, it's Bitcoin Cash SV, Satoshi Vision, Bitcoin Cash ABC. And I'm hoping just a regular Bitcoin Cash to keep that implementation. But who knows? Who knows? Uh, right now, this interesting video is from Jimmy Song, and he tries explaining this whole you know, <laughs> I guess you could call it a Bitcoin cash mess, right? Uh, just because it's so many variables, you don't know what people are going to do. And he does a really good job. And we all know Jimmy Song is very bullish on Bitcoin itself. So uh, hearing him even talk about this fork is very interesting. Check this out. Howdy, guys. Jimmy Song here. I, in this video, I'm going to talk about Bitcoin Cash and the upcoming fork that's uh, that's scheduled to happen. If, you, if you're not familiar, what Bitcoin Cash does is uh, after they hard fork back last, last August, uh, they had a, a scheduled hard fork every six months. So the first one, I think, was around May, and, uh, and that went without too much of a hitch. Uh, but, you know, there, there's been some strife over what's happening uh, in the past few months. And there's a scheduled hard fork on November 15th. And there are right now two camps um, or maybe even more. Uh, one is uh, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin ABC. And then there's the other one, uh, which which has Jihan Wu, uh, Roger Ver, uh, Amory Sachet and, and, and some others. And then another site called Bitcoin Satoshi's Vision, which is Craig S. Wright and Calvin Air and so on. Um, and basically, uh, they they have uh, various um, you know conflicts about a particular opcode or whatever. Uh, but this is kind of, this, this has been brewing for a while, and uh, and we've known about this. But it's it's coming to a head next week, right? Like it's it's coming to a head very very soon. So. Um, it's it's an interesting thing to be watching, and uh, and we're all obviously curious as to what's going to happen. Uh, if you if you watch the Bitcoin Cash community, uh, they're they're all sort of arguing about it. Uh, there's a lot of people that are uh, trying to figure out what's going to happen. There are a lot of exchanges that are um, you know coming out and saying we'll support this or here are the rules or. Uh, we're going to suspend payments. Um, in some ways, this is much easier for the exchanges to do because they had to deal with this last August uh, when Bitcoin Cash split from Bitcoin. Um, and now, you know, they're going to have to do the same thing with uh, Bitcoin Cash. Um, there's a lot of a lot of different things going on, a lot of moving parts. Um, you know, there there are some people that are trying to uh, uh, you know try trying to do some sort of compromise. Uh, there are other people um, that are, you know, talking about, you know, what what do we follow? Is it the miners? Is it the economic majority? A lot of similar arguments uh, that that were around back last August are coming back again for Bitcoin Cash. Um, you know, like there's uh, apparently a good deal of hash power uh, that. Uh, Craig and Calvin managed to get so there there might be more hash power on Bitcoin SV versus Bitcoin ABC. Uh, Bitcoin ABC, on the other hand, has uh, you know like uh, you know RBTC and Bitcoin.com and many others. Um, the interesting thing is a lot of people are trying to spin it as this showing that Bitcoin Cash is decentralized. Uh, yeah, no, that's not how it works. Uh, 
there are clear leaders that are trying to emerge out of this thing. The only reason that Craig S. Wright and Calvin Air feel like they can, uh, you know, do what they're doing is because they get to lead the thing, uh, lead Bitcoin Satoshi's vision and uh, and tell it what to do and uh, and, and so on. Um, very similar to what the Bitcoin Cash people thought. They they uh, you know it was. Uh, largely funded by Bitmain, um, you know, they they thought that they could figure out what's going on with, uh, or they can uh, influence the development uh, track of Bitcoin Cash, and they certainly have. You know, they they enabled all these opcodes and so on. Um, I mean, we'll we'll see exactly what happens. There's a possibility of a third or a fourth hard fork or whatever. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this thing keeps splintering for a while. Um, I, I, I did notice that Bitcoin Cash did go up recently. Uh, I don't know if that's due to people thinking that they'll get more coins. Um, traditionally, when forks have split, uh, at least right away, the price after the split tends to be a little higher than before. I don't know if this will buck the trend or will continue on, on that trend. But, you know, I mean, that that may be traders trading. We'll, we'll see how this um, sort of ends up flowing. Uh, there, there's a lot of different things going on, guys. Uh, yeah, and um, there's a lot of different things going on. There's a lot of, there's just a lot of mess around Bitcoin Cash right now. Um, we did our we've done our share of Bitcoin Cash episodes um, here recently, um, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna try to reach out to somebody. If you guys have any good ideas, or if anybody who's listening right now is really knowledgeable about Bitcoin Cash, you know, I would love to have you on the show. We can do a main topic, um, or if you just want to do a quick Q and A on it, that would be cool too. But um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I'm holding my Bitcoin Cash. I don't. People have been wondering like, is it gonna go up? It's gonna go down. Which which, which side's gonna win? Ultimately, I think it's going to be the Roger Vieira side and the Jian Wu side, right? I mean, I'm not saying Craig Wright doesn't have any pull, but it's just kind of obvious that's where the vast majority of people are going to sway with. Um, everybody knows Craig Wright is not the most liked person in the space, unfortunately. But um, yeah, uh, and I also think it's because he doesn't really talk about anything um, other than just arguing about Bitcoin Cash or about Bitcoin these days and if you i follow him on twitter if you see his twitter feed it's just nothing but uh just arguments back and forth with regular people and i blocked you this and i blocked you that and it's just uh yeah he's not doing social media right <laughs> so so i would just say though like um yeah so it's i don't know i me looking out from the outside in i'm not gonna you know cash out anything too soon because you never know what these things if you know if i would have sold my bitcoin cash right away when it forked with bitcoin you know, I would have lost off, you know, with all these gains. Um, so, yeah, I just hodl it and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, but again, go out there and make your own make your own decision. Don't just listen to me. Don't just listen to Jimmy song. <laughs> listen to everybody and um, make up your own mind. I'm sure you already know what you're going to do. I'm sure. Of it. With that, let's go ahead and get into our coin talk segment. That's right. Coin talk. Where we speculate. Where we talk about everything. Cool. Let's do it. ahead it is what you spend all day wondering isn't it this crypto dream only on coin top
right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Coin Talk. But before we jump into that, just a couple things, just a couple little things, very small details. I just want to thank a couple people that emailed me um, this morning when I read them. Uh, it was very heartfelt. I know yesterday I kind of got a little, um, uh, I don't know, I, don't, I wouldn't say like sad or anything, but maybe it sounded like it on, over the microphone. But um, yeah, it was really cool to see, you know, a couple emails come in and and uh, show that they really cared and um, showed that uh, they were behind me 100%. So, you know, thank you to you two uh, who sent those in this morning. Um, yeah, I really appreciate it. it it's it's, it's uh, moments like that that really make me realize, like, uh, how much you guys care, uh, and ladies and children and everybody out there, right? Because um, it's a worldwide podcast, and a lot of people are living it from all over, are listening from all over the world. And, um, yeah, so thank you so much to you two for giving me your, your vote of confidence and uh, reaffirms what I'm doing. So, yeah, we're just on a mission. We're on a mission to, um, you know, to, you know, to educate the world on blockchain and about what this all means. And hopefully we'll achieve it one day and we'll look back and realize, you know, we did a lot of good. But uh, we'll see how that rolls out. Um, another thing I want to mention is there's been a couple people that have been leaving iTunes reviews. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You know, that's another thing that uh, really... Um, it really makes me feel good. <laughs> it really makes me feel good, you know, to to have that validation just like stamped on the iTunes charts. And um, I know we were talking about it earlier in the podcast, but, you know, they control a lot, man. Like Apple controls a lot. And if those iTunes reviews are bad, I mean, your, your, your podcast would disappear, you know, just from the search. And we're lucky enough that when you search for Ethereum, you know, our podcast comes up. Um, if you search for Bitcoin, our podcast doesn't come up. If you search for crypto, our podcast doesn't come up. But if you search for Ethereum or Stellar, which is surprising, you know, not really because we do talk a lot about Ethereum and Stellar, but the, our podcast comes up right away. So it's cool. And by you guys adding those iTunes reviews, it helps our rankings and it helps us get, get us more exposure and better guests. So thank you to the people that have been, uh, two people specifically that have uh, added to our to our iTunes reviews. Uh, that's a total of 21. I know. I remember we didn't have any. <laughs> I remember having zero. Now we have 21. That's pretty cool. So thank you so much to you two. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate the kind words. Um, yeah, it helps me keep going. And that's all I really have. That's all I really have for um, this little segment here. But uh, with that, let's go ahead and get into our disclaimer. That's right. We got to play the disclaimer. You know, this whole market it's changing very fast. There's a lot of money coming in right now. Yeah, we got to speculate on it. You know, that's my one of my favorite things to do. It's one of y'all's favorite things to listen to is obviously, you know, I, I see the charts, you know, I look at the metrics. You guys are skipping right to coin talk. <laughs> no, I, I can't see that. That'd be cool, though. If somebody would write that code out. No, but seriously, um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where we just love speculating. And this whole space right now is just a buzz, right? Um, it was really big that Quinneth Patro was talking about Bitcoin today. I know regular no coiners, this doesn't mean anything to you, but to us, like that's a sign of potentially next bull run? Question mark? We'll see. Let's roll the disclaimer. Let's do it. Remember, Thriller's podcast does not give financial advice. He cannot tell the future, even if he thinks he can. He is just some dude trying to save the world one Satoshi at a time.
I'm not saying I'm trying to save the world. I'm saying I'm, I feel like I am, right? I think, I think we're all trying to save the world. I think if, I mean, you'll listen more about this. I'm not even joking right now. If you listen to the main topic, you're going to hear more about how cryptocurrency will eventually save the world. You know, uh, today in America is election day, right? And uh, we don't talk about politics here on Thriller Podcast because we talk about crypto. And I know for a fact that every single one of you out there that's listening right now is wondering or scared about our future here on this planet, this little tiny blue planet, right? And myself included, I used to be very scared about my future and what it would be like if I ever had kids to grow up in this world. But learning more about blockchain and learning more about cryptocurrency and its potential and what it could become, yeah, I'm not scared anymore. If anything, I'm bullish on the future and I'm bullish on human beings. I'm bullish on all the human beings that are creating blockchain projects right now. You know, whether you want to call them shit projects or whatever you want to call them, at least they're contributing to the space and they're trying to move it forward. And for that, I respect every single one of them. We may disagree with our, you know, little, you know, circle, you know, teams that we have of people that are, you know, trying to push us this way or push us that way just because we're holding a certain bag. But honestly, at the end of the day, we're all in this together. And if we don't educate the masses and all these new coiners, I mean, what is it for? So I know right now is, is probably around the time last year when everybody started, you know, peaking more interest into Bitcoin and to other cryptocurrencies. So if you run into somebody this holiday season or even here in this next month or so, and you've been in this space for quite some time, do your part and explain it to them and educate them and, and, and tell them and tell them about the future of cryptocurrency and how it could help everybody. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are barely making enough, to, you know, to even eat, you know, and there's a lot of people out there, even more people out there that can barely afford anything. And with cryptocurrency and these airdrops, that's going to provide a lot more people, you know, to to buy and, and, and consume and to live on this financial inclusion globally. So let me get off this soapbox because I'm not trying to do that. But I do think that um, we need to do our best to educate the masses. And it's up to us every single day to make sure that we do that. So with that, let's get into coin talk. So right now, Bitcoin is at six thousand five hundred and thirty seven dollars. I know. Should have bought in at sixty two hundred. No, I think I think it's I think it's safe to say six thousand. I don't want to jinx it. Knock on wood, but six thousand is kind of where it's you know it's the threshold that's not going to go any lower than that. I know there's been some people predicting it's going to go even lower. I know I was kind of scared for a second there once it got back to sixty one hundred, where I was like, oh crap, are we going to go? We're going to test four thousand, but ultimately I didn't think we were going to get that low just because of the hash rate. But I will say this. Bitcoin right now is looking bullish. And what's even more bullish is that a lot of the stuff that's rising right now is not Bitcoin. Bitcoin is going up a little bit, but we got Ethereum at uh, up 5% at $219. It was just $197 last week. Got XRP at 53 cents, up 6%. Got Bitcoin Cash up 10% at $619. So it literally has gained over $100 just like that. And this is going to continue to rise. Bitcoin Cash is going to continue to go up and up and up and up. I know people are afraid to say that, but you'll probably see a little correction, right? Because people are going to cash out and they're going to take it one more. But, um, you know, as until we reach that fourth day, November 15th, they're, they're really, they're, you know, you're... How do I say this? Last year, when if you go back and listen to the our, our SegWit 2X episode from last year, 
Um, a lot of us were scared about what was going to happen with Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. We didn't know how that was going to play out. Um, oh, actually, it wasn't Segwit2x. It was the one before that. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm getting off topic. No, but seriously, if you go back and listen to the old episodes, you know, we were all scared. We were wondering what was going to happen. I'm here to tell you, don't be afraid of Bitcoin Cash. If you see a flippening of sorts from Bitcoin SV, Bitcoin Cash SV to Bitcoin Cash or vice versa, don't be afraid. It, it usually corrects itself after a day or two or after 12 hours or six hours of it pumping. A vast majority of what's going to be happening in the next, you know, six to 12 hours after that whole fork, you're going to see, you know, th these two behemoths go at it. It's one of the greatest things you'll ever see in crypto. It, it, it truly is our only thing close to like a solar eclipse, right? <laughs> like, because you have this major fork for Bitcoin Cash. And it's kind of one of those, it's kind of funny that, you know, Bitcoin Cash is getting forked. Last year, people were upset because Bitcoin was getting forked so many times. And now Bitcoin Cash is getting forked. So this very much could prove one way or another that Bitcoin Cash is here to stay if it gets forked and nothing happens to it, it just will solidify it. With every fork, it gets stronger, in my opinion. I don't think I've ever heard anybody else say that, but I, I feel like it does. So we'll see what happens. The price is going to continually rise. So just um, if you're looking to make some money, that would definitely be one to look at. Uh, again, I'm not participating in the whole Bitcoin Cash fork because personally, um, I, I feel like I have enough <laughs> Bitcoin Cash at this point. It's free money because it really is. You're getting two for the price of one. But um, yeah, I, I just, I just, uh, I already, I'm already settled to where I'm at right now. Let's just say that we got EOS at five dollars and seventy-two cents, so it's up five percent. We got Stellar going up to twenty-six cents today on the news, up five percent. And it was interesting yesterday; it started pumping even more, and um, surprisingly, it pumped even more today. I think we got to twenty-seven, if I'm not mistaken. So that's that's going to be interesting to see what happens the next couple of days, especially when that airdrop happens. If that happens in sometime mid mid November. That's going to be big because you're going to have a lot of people with lumens all of a sudden, and that's going to make the network transact and just more adoption. So that's cool. And got Litecoin at $55 and then Cardano at $0.08 cents now. So if you didn't buy at $0.06 cents and $0.07, cents, I don't know what you were doing. You know, it's up 4%. You know, what's funny, you know, I had said this, you know, a couple, a couple weeks ago is, um, you know, when we saw Bitcoin Cash was going to fork, I personally didn't know if it was going to drive the market up or not. We had been in such a bear market here in October that it would just kind of flatlined, right? Just kind of go sideways for a while. But um, seeing it ramp up in November, you know, was very surprising because usually you see signs in October if it's going to ramp up in November. And the fact that it didn't was very scary. <laughs> I think we actually dropped even lower. Um, but the, the fact that it's now rising in November, it proves to the theory that, you know, winter months are still good, good days to hold for crypto. Right. And to and, and to cash out potentially and make some money. And if you look here last year, specifically in November, November 13th was the day that we started our last bull run. We were currently at 203 last year. And quickly rose up to 205, 215 by November 15th. And by November 17th, we had reached 228 billion coin market cap. By the time we got to the end of November, November 29th, we were at $342 billion. That's crazy. So we literally went up, gosh, $100 billion in a matter of over $100 billion in a matter of 20 days. Crazy. At that point, we saw a sell-off last year around November 30th and quickly went back down to $283 billion. 
From there, we started seeing everything rise. Another little run came. We got to 300 in a matter of days, and then it rolled into December, and we got to 450 billion. Now, a lot of people are wondering, is that the same thing that's going to happen here, Car? What, what are we seeing here? Um, you know, I'm looking at the coin market cap as a whole. A lot of people like to just look at Bitcoin for everything, but I, I feel these days, as 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 the way it stands, it, it almost seems like Bitcoin is just holding its price, and it seems like the influx for all these different alts are just coming in. Um, it's almost like it's almost like the the bulls are coming in for the alts in a weird way. Usually, the the flow of the coin market cap goes with Bitcoin, or it has in years past. But this particular winter, it's and I'm talking about just the actual winter, November. It seems to be going its own way, and it, it probably is because of the different fiat on wraps there are for the most of the top ten coins right now. Um, XRP has its own fiat on wrap. Ethereum has its own fiat on wrap. Bitcoin Cash has its own fiat on wrap. I think Stellar is the only one that doesn't have its own fiat on-wrap. Uh, EOS, I think, might have its own fiat on-wrap. Um, and Litecoin has its own fiat on-wrap. So there's a lot of these that used to depend or used to go with the, the graph of Bitcoin, and it's not doing that anymore. It's weird, right? Um, and then again, I'm not a trader. I don't I don't look at this stuff. So make sure you go on there and do your own research and listen to people a lot more knowledgeable about this stuff than I am. But if I'm looking at this just from a historic perspective, we could see something work out here, shake out here by the end of November. Um, and if that's the case, oh man, uh, we're looking game, set, and match. But, I mean, you never know. It, it, if, if everything sticks to trajectory, and it hasn't, the whole year hasn't really, I mean, up until May, I feel like everything was going as planned. But once the SEC came out and knocked all the stuff down, I mean, pretty much after consensus, it just kind of plummeted, right? And so we're we're not seeing that. We're seeing an uptick, which is great, um, kind of surprising. But I think there are several key dates, and I mentioned this multiple times uh, over the weekend through Instagram Live and through all the other stuff that we do through different social media channels. Um, if you if you take an account to these dates, and I'll just say this now. So remember November 13th. If you start seeing a rise in price from November 13th to November 15th, then we're on some kind of run at that point. People have speculated that once we get to the 7200 mark for Bitcoin, that's going to tell us that we're on our next bull run. That's a signal for them. Um, we'll see if we get there. But November 15th, November 13th is two dates to watch. Of course, the fork is going to happen November 15th. It's very likely this is being brought on by Bitcoin Cash and they're funneling this whole market right now. But it still provides mass incentives for people who have been sitting on the sidelines waiting for an opportunity to jump in. And with that comes a lot of noy coiners who, who never would have thought to jump in until now. Um, and there's probably people that have waited all year to, to come back in. Who knows? We'll, and we'll start noticing here on the podcast if our telegram starts spiking or if we start seeing numbers go up considerably. But I will say this one way or another. Keep 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 November 13th. Keep November 15th in mind. What happens after the fork? It, it should equate to more transactions. It, it should equate to more total market cap capitalization. Right. Um yeah, and, and you know, it's it's one of those things where if it falls down at the end of November, like the 30th or the 29th, and it goes back to 280 billion, um, like it did last year, gosh, I still would hold on because you never know what could happen at the end of December and even at the beginning of January. 
Um, so that's that's one thing that's really scary because we got to 830 by January 7th. So it's one of those where you don't even want to sell just yet, right? Yeah, it's going to be tough calls, man. There's going to be a lot of tough calls that you're going to have to make, especially if you're trying to make some money doing this. Currently right now, we're sitting at 220 billion coin market cap, and we haven't been there since September. <laughs> All of October, we're under 218 billion. September is the last time we saw 220. So, yeah. Uh, do, do I think we can get back to where we were in May? Of, I think we can. I think we can. I think we can get to 450 billion easily, right? But um, gosh, it's, it's going to be amazing to see what happens after the whole Bitcoin Cash fork. This is to me, this is all driven by Bitcoin Cash, it looks like. And of course, I think Coinbase has an effect. I think Coinbase has contributed to sparking uh, or at least, you know, you know, pumping this this flatlining market. Um, I think releasing BAT and getting people excited about these new Coinbase 5 coins that are coming out, you know, right after BAT got released, people started buying XLM and then they started buying, you know, Cardano and people just don't know what's coming next. And if 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 it times it well, if you time the market well to where you have a Coinbase release in December or in November, mid-November, and the coin market caps are already going up and you have a Coinbase release and there's new people that are coming into the space that have never used Coinbase before and they come in during that time, holy crap, you're going to see something happen, something magical happen. And that's going to cause a lot of new money to come in the space and, and spring up the coin market cap. And I think that could lead to the next potential bull run this 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 winter. So we might be out of this. Um, but then again, this is crypto. You never really know. You just don't. You just don't. Even when you think you do and everything's looking good, we can come back tomorrow and look at everything just flatline back to under 200 billion just because they wanted to, right? Just because people wanted to pull out already. But I don't know. I'm bullish on November. I'm back in, baby. <laughs> I'm back in and it, it feels great because we need this. We need this. October was an ugly month. It wasn't supposed to be. October usually isn't a bad month, but it was. And I also think, you know, having the SEC you know, director coming out yesterday and saying that he's going to create a paper and a fin hub of sorts to talk about ICOs and how you can turn your your um, your crypto assets or digital assets or whatever they are, digital tokens into a legitimate security. Um, then, I mean, that's bullish news. I think that's I think that's one of the biggest news that's come out, you know, for the most part this fall. Like that's big news because you have a lot of people that are scared to invest in these different security tokens because we just didn't know, right? I wasn't even talking about what well, don't I don't know about this, but seeing that happen yesterday, that basically gives tokens like XRP or even some other ones that I can't think off the top of my head that are considered, you know, possibly security tokens, that gives you a that gives them a way out. That gives the people that have invested in XRP um, kind of a, a good stamp of approval saying, hey, don't worry, you're holding XRP. Even if it is considered security, this is a way out for Ripple, the company, to make it a real security. And if that happens, holy crap, like you're going to see the same amount of return as you would, you know, for any other cryptocurrency. So it might not be labeled a cryptocurrency, but at least you're, you're not losing any money for holding it, right? And that's what we were all afraid of. And I'm so, so bullish the fact that they actually came out and, and said that yesterday. That was big news. And no one really talked about it. We talked about it on the podcast because I, I felt that was the biggest news that we heard. And today I, I was expecting people to talk about it, you know, and um, no one's no one's bringing that up. And that's just kind of surprising to me because, 
you know, a lot of people were waiting to see how that shoe was going to drop. And um, yeah, and, and not only that, and so we got all of that going for us, right? And then on top of that, BACT is coming out December 12th. So BACT is the exchange from the New York Stock Exchange. You know, the, the owners created their own cryptocurrency exchange. And I think Bitcoin is going to be the very first thing that they trade or Bitcoin futures, I believe. And um, that's going to be released here in December 12th. And that's probably going to start the next, you know, little mini run. So even if it gets to a certain point to where, you know, it kind of uh, flatlines for a second, and after the Bitcoin cash fork, it goes off, people are going to ramp right back up for BACT. So we'll see. Um, we might not see Bitcoin spike until then. I, I do think Bitcoin Cash is going to get the lead here in the, in the interim. Um, I don't think it's going to overtake Bitcoin at all, but I, I do think it, in the interim, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get over $1,000 at least here in, in the very near future, right? Uh, especially coming up to this fork. And I, I do think that, you know, if backed, uh, it releases this Bitcoin futures, you know, um, in December 12th, that could spark another little run for Bitcoin. So if you're holding Bitcoin, you're going to see some gains there. And that's going to lead into a great 2019. And the fact that the SEC is, uh, you know, talking about all this and everybody, everybody else is building towards this. Yeah, it's it's a good thing. This is, these are all good signs. So, yeah, I'm bullish on cryptocurrency right now. Everything is up. Zcash is up as well, eight percent, hundred thirty-two dollars. Uh, we got uh, Quantum up four dollars, up seven percent. This is looking like last year all over again. We got Biden. We even got Verge going up too as well. It's at two cents. It's just it's just nuts. We got Hollow Chain too, up seven percent. Um, Status, you summon a bitch, you're, you're finally back up. Yeah, I lost so much money on status. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's just it's just nuts. It's just nuts. And the vast majority, you can, you can tell people are starting to buy this. And it's a good thing that no one's buying red coin. That's all I will say. It's down 1% and should be. No one should buy that scam of a coin. But yeah, um, this is good time. This is good times. And we all need to be excited for this. I feel like, you know, this is a bullish time of year. So... With that, let's get into our main topic. Today, we're discussing the future of cryptocurrency. Don't miss on this one. I feel like you're going to learn a lot. Let's do it.
The future of money. Technology has yet to fundamentally change how we think about money. As the mobile internet begins to take financial control out of the hands of bank tellers and regulators, innovators are connecting us to our money in new ways. Money is a common language we all agree to use to convey the value of things. The proliferation of digital communication technologies means we can now marshal our own money with remarkable speed and ease. The first and most important component is trust. It's imperative that people trust the currency they're using. What gives the dollar its value? Is it gold? Absolutely not. The dollar hasn't been backed by gold since the 1970s. Then what is it that gives the dollar or any other fiat currency value? Some countries' currency is considered more stable than others. Ultimately, it's people's trust that the issuing government of that money stands firmly behind it and essentially guarantees its value. But how does trust work with Bitcoin? Since it's decentralized, meaning there isn't a governing body that issues the coins. Bitcoin, of course, as you know, sits on the blockchain, which is basically an online accounting ledger that allows the world to view each and every transaction. Each of these transactions is verified by miners, people operating computers on a peer-to-peer -peer network to prevent fraud and also ensure that there is no double spending. In exchange for their services of maintaining the integrity of the blockchain, the miners receive a payment for every transaction they verify. Since there are countless miners trying to make money, each one checks each other's work for errors. This proof of work process is why the blockchain has never been hacked. Essentially, this trust is what gives Bitcoin value. Um, we're sitting at a historical crossroads where the future of money is going to be digital. We're seeing a, a concerted effort around the world to ban cash, to reduce the availability, the value, uh, and the liquidity of cash everywhere in the world. We just saw India demonetize the top two value notes they have. Um, Spain is passing a law to make it illegal to make any transaction more than a thousand euros in cash. Um, the Probably the 500 euro, 100 euro notes are going to disappear eventually. You're seeing this process of demonetization, of removing cash from the economy in order to funnel it all into banking systems that are under constant control and surveillance. This is a very dangerous future. Um, and that's usually because they want the taxation or they want the legislation. They see, either they see that money used by corrupt parties or they just use that as an excuse to control it. The biggest criminals in the world have banking licenses of their own. They don't need to money launder. They own HSBC and that money launders for them. You know, the biggest money launderers in the world are the banks, obviously, because that's where the money is. Uh, the easiest way to money launder is if you have a banking license. So, of course, the biggest money launderers have banking licenses. These are excuses. What they want to do, of course, is um, they say taxation and corruption, but in fact, 
this actually increases corruption. So removing cash from an economy and, and putting everybody under surveillance um, doesn't mean the criminals can't use money anymore. Of course they can. They will continue to do that. They will always have means of doing it. It just means that everybody else is under surveillance. So you end up surveilling the innocent. Um, and what does that give you? That gives you political control. This is a very dangerous road we're going down. Um, we've never had in the history of humanity the ability to monitor everybody's economic activity all the time. And to give that power to governments without question is extremely dangerous. It won't result in reducing terrorism, but it will turn several governments into terrorists themselves. Um, it won't reduce crime, but it will turn governments into criminals. <laughs> it won't reduce corruption, but it will increase corruption at banks. Um, and it will put people at the mercy of a system in which, at a flick of a binary switch, you can become a non-person went to the wrong website, attended the wrong protests, associated with the wrong political party, expressed support for the wrong idea, off. You no longer exist. You can't buy food, you can't buy anything, you can't earn anything, and all of your money disappeared. Because we, we don't give you a bank account? No, you turn off the bank account. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why not? Okay. And you don't give you a bank account. Right. right? So, and, and since you can't use cash for anything, then you basically are a non-citizen. You are a non-person. Right. And, right. and what this will end up doing is it will end up putting the burden again on the most powerless in our society. Right? The poor, those who don't have ID, undocumented immigrants, uh, victims of human trafficking, refugees. These people are going to be suffering the burden to create this bourgeois illusion of safety and give massive powers to governments that certainly haven't earned the trust to have these kinds of powers. That's scenario A. Scenario B is a world in which we have a fully connected economy using a form of currency that is neutral, transparent, global, and open, belonging to everyone, requiring no qualification to enter or access the system, and not under the control of any government or bank. That's what Bitcoin offers. And so you can make that choice once they flip the switch on you, or you can start now. Um, and you can change the trajectory of this world by opting out from a system of totalitarian surveillance. There is no reason why we should have, accept, or believe in totalitarian surveillance of finance by governments. They will not use this to protect us. And maybe here in the UK or in the US, you have kind of the privilege of believing in the illusion that your government is going to protect you if you give them those powers. The UK just handed the UK government the most draconian surveillance powers in the history of modern world with this uh, Snoop's charter, right? Yeah. Um, and with barely uh, any dissent whatsoever. Uh, so no dissent was heard now. Well, no dissent is possible now. <laughs> Try see what happens. Um, and this is a very dangerous path to go under. And people in countries that have already experienced uh, totalitarian regimes know this, right? They know they can't trust government. So they're a little more wary than some of the others. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And you can never eradicate cash completely. What you can do is you can criminalize ordinary behavior. And if everybody's a criminal, then the power of government becomes absolute.
cryptocurrencies have the potential to change the lives of some of the world's poorest and most desperate people for the better. Cryptocurrency can improve lives by helping residents of developing countries participate in the global economy. Hyperinflation, poverty, lack of jobs, lack of access to banking, lack of capital, and poor access to markets are among the problems that many cryptocurrencies are trying to solve when helping developing nations. This will be achieved by giving everybody in the world access to modern banking and financial services through the blockchain. There are many entrepreneurs, economists, aid officials, and bankers who believe a combination cryptocurrency and mobile phones will give the world's poor access to the global economy. Take a listen to Joyce Kim of the Stellar Foundation as she talks more about this subject. Money. Money stresses us all out. We worry about paying bills. We worry about retirement. Just because I said the word money, your cortisol levels might have spiked up. But in the world economy, we here are actually the big, big winners. We have bank accounts. We can get loans. We have direct deposit for our paychecks. And some of us here probably even have Bitcoin. We are so well served that we have magical internet money. <laughs> but imagine what it's like if you're poor. This is a savings account. In Nicaragua and in many other countries in the world, if you don't have access to a bank account, you save in livestock. But it's not safe or efficient. Your pig can get sick and die. It can run away. And if you need $5 for medicine for your child, how do you withdraw $5 from a pig? Without a bank account, there is no free PayPal, there's no free Venmo, and if you live on less than $2 a day, a single 50 cent transaction fee is 25% of your daily income. The simple truth is, it's expensive to be poor. So you may think that money zips around the internet as quickly as email, but it doesn't. Email is free, and financial services like wire transfers, they're not. And it's because of the architecture of our financial system. Financial institutions and payment systems are actually separate fortresses. And most of them don't connect directly because there aren't a lot of roads. So if you need to send $25 from New York to Nairobi, you have to pass through several systems paying tolls along the way, and maybe $5 makes it to the other side. So the gaps between these systems are so wide and the fees are so high that it makes it difficult. It actually probably makes it impossible for billions of people to have a fair shot. To solve these problems though, why couldn't we just connect the systems and make it easier for them to talk directly? And then from there, we could make it easier for communities to have access, reducing inequality. In today's world, everybody should have the ability to send and receive money instantly and affordably and have a safe place to save. So my nonprofit team, we set out to accomplish just that. So out of years of research came Stellar, an open source financial network designed by Professor David Mazieris, the head of Stanford University's Secure Computing Group. Stellar is a decentralized database that helps people, actually helps everyone, not just us, but everyone, 
connect to the world's global economy while also ensuring the integrity of financial transactions. So as I said, Stellar can be used by anyone, banks, microfinance institutions, businesses, startups, even hospitals. And it's this kind of openness that creates millions of new on-ramps to the financial system that didn't exist before, spreading access where there is none. And because of this diversity, it has to support any kind of asset. So in Stellar, you can use any kind of currency, dollars, euros, pesos, any asset like mobile minutes, loyalty points, even, even Bitcoin. The network is live. It is focusing right now on, we're focusing on connecting communities across Africa and Southeast Asia. And in one of our pilots, we conducted over 6 million transactions. So if we had taken those 6 million transactions and used wire transfers, it would have resulted in $150 million in fees. That's a lot of money. If we had used M-Pesa, the PayPal of Kenya, it would have cost roughly $2 million, which is a great savings, but really still not enough. On Stellar, those same 6 million transactions cost 20 cents total. <laughs> and those savings are made possible because the Stellar network can be used from end to end, regardless of if you are in New York and Nairobi. And that reduces these gaps and reduces friction, which is, which is good for everyone, regardless of if you are rich or if you're poor. And its openness allows people to connect to services where it was really difficult before, like enabling families to pay for solar electricity an hour at a time so their kids can finish homework at night, or helping a health organization send 20 cents in bus fare to pregnant mothers so they can get to the clinic and have healthier babies. So the reality is, is these kinds of services, they can be built today, but at high cost and with very limited local reach. The trick is having the infrastructure to do this in every single country in the world at the same time, and Stellar accomplishes that. Ultimately, it comes down to us. That's right. Many millennials are taking an unprecedented interest in the financial services sector, due in large part of the growth of cryptocurrency. The chatter within this demographic around cryptocurrency investments and transactions is building not only regarding visions of wealth accumulation, but also because of the disruption that crypto poses to a current financial system that seems to oftentimes be archaic and overly centralized. As blockchains and cryptocurrencies become more viable, the millennials stand to make the greatest change for the future of money. Take a listen to Thomas Lee as he describes what people are calling the millennial effect. But let me explain to you why I think millennials are the third piece of what's happening. So this is uh, five generations of Americans, starting with this, the greatest generation. They're the people that fought World War II. Um, and then the silent generation, which was really uh, kids born in the Great Depression and saw their parents suffering the Great Depression. Then the boomers, who were the kids of the silent generation, Gen X, which was uh, a small generation that followed the boomers, and then now the millennials, which are the children of Gen X. As you can see, millennials are the single largest population cohort ever in history. It's 96 million people. It's larger than the boomers. So, it's not the largest percentage population uh, ever, 
but it's the largest number of people. And I think the number is actually more important than the percentage. So what's happening with the millennials? Well, uh, this is something that we use in our strategy work, but I think it's relevant today. You know, the, the average millennial today is 26 and a half years old, which means they're just entering their home purchasing age uh, on average, and they're, uh, the earliest ones or the oldest are beginning to enter their prime income years. Now, as you look to the left, you can see that millennials, in fact, had a huge impact on alcohol consumption when they turned 21, right? It's a move away from beer. And they've already had an impact on the auto market, but we're going to start to see them have huge impacts on investment decisions and long-term purchases. Okay, and again, I just want to remind you, 92% millennials don't trust banks. Okay, well, on slide 23, I'm showing you these millennials are now just starting to become uh, into their 30s, and so they're making um, money, enough money to actually start saving and, and paying off student loans. And what happened when generations hit that age, 25 to, to 45? Well, on slide 24, I'm showing you that housing starts since 1960 have almost been entirely explained by each generation turning age 25 to 45. So as you can see, uh, housing cycle peaks always coincide with the peak of that specific generation cohort being age 25 to 45. And again, I want to emphasize the millennials are now just entering prime income age here. So what happened when the silent generation hit their prime income years? As you can see, that was starting in the 1970s. That was, these were the children of the Great Depression. So when gold, when the dollar went off the gold standard, the silent generation bought gold and caused a massive, massive surge in gold prices. But as you can see, subsequent generations haven't bought gold, although this gold is now being uh, transferred via estates to other generations. And we don't think subsequent generations are going to hold gold. <clears throat> the boomers entered the prime income years starting in 1982. Well, what happened from 82, and they peaked, that cohort peaked in 99, what happened in those years? The S&P exploded. The biggest bull market in history could easily have been explained by just boomers hitting prime income age. Now, Generation X, which is my generation, didn't wasn't big enough to actually drive the S&P, and you can see that secular bear market in that middle there. But millennials are now uh, prime income years, and they're actually enthusiastic about stocks. So we do think this is bullish for equities, especially growth stocks. Gen X, which was my generation, uh, helped drive a boom in hedge funds. And as you can see, that hedge fund boom essentially is maturing with the Generation X um, cohort. And as you know, millennials are more interested in ETFs and passive products. So what does this mean for Bitcoin? Well, take a look at this chart. I've overlaid Bitcoin's price to millennials. And as you can see, that hookup in 2016 actually did coincide with the first millennials entering prime income years. So I, I, I think that at the end of the day, the easiest explanation for why crypto is going to turbocharge the next 10, 20 years is that millennials are comfortable with digital businesses, uh, and trust is important. And I think a decentralized uh, digital currency is a great way to express trust. And, and if you sort of follow this chart log on a log basis, Bitcoin could be a $10 million token before millennials uh, start to retire.
And that's the future of money. I hope everybody enjoyed or learned a thing or two about what the future holds for cryptocurrency. I know personally, I'm bullish on the future of financial systems. I feel like blockchain is going to change the world. And I feel like we're just at the beginning of it. With that, let's get on to the end of the show. These type of episodes are great, especially when it feels like we're going to get on this next kind of bull run, right? 
There's gonna be a lot of new people entering the space and they're gonna need to be educated about the things that are gonna happen or potentially could happen. Ultimately, I'm bullish on cryptocurrency. I do think it's gonna change the world and I do think a lot of people that never had a shot to get out of the financial burdens that they're in are gonna be able to. You know, cryptocurrencies really do have the potential to change the lives of everybody participating in it. And I'm so bullish on humans these days. <laughs> be the change you wanna see. Buy Bitcoin, save the world. This is the end of the show. You have been listening to Killer Podcast with Bar Gonzalez. Remember, Killer Podcast is not financial advice. Everything Car said likely won't come true. It is up to you. Never in your own